Hello, and welcome back to the Aurology Podcast, where we are here to learn and talk about all things aura. Today, we have quite a treat for you. Isabel Barreto, the leader behind Meditation for Mamas, is not only a beautiful human inside and out, but she is truly someone who walks the walk. And you get a chance to witness her generous spirit in just a few moments. Today, we talk about her definition of the aura, how her kundalini yoga practice has affected her life in aura, how she uses conscious practice to welcome new things into her life, how she maintains her own identity and aura within intimate and close relationships. She shares a lot of great kundalini yoga knowledge, and we uh, find out that we share a mutual lack of enthusiasm for the word manifest. (laughs) Once again, I'm Lysandra, the owner of Auraology, which is a pop-up-based aura photo and video studio that focuses on providing our community with empowering and accurate information with the hopes that each person will leave with a better understanding of their aura and how it relates to the world. And with that said, we are on with today's episode with the beautiful Isabel Barreto. Hi, thank you so much for joining me, Isabel. I will have you let us let, let, let the people know who you, who you are. (laughs) So my name is Isabel Barreto and I'm on Instagram as uh, at Meditation for Mamas. I am a Kundalini Yoga student and practitioner. I've been practicing for over 20 years. Uh, I'm a teacher, I'm a healer, space holder, mama, wife, and yeah, and I'm so glad to be here with you today. Thank you for having me on. You're welcome. Awesome. And so we met through Kundalini Yoga. Yes. Several, several years ago. And we've, 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 we've been in these, uh, Kundalini yoga trainings side by side and have gotten to see, I've definitely gotten to see you grow and the community grow. So, um, that's how Isabel and I met. So because Kundalini yoga is, uh, where I started this company through my meditation practice there. Um, and, the aura being so integral to everything kind of about kundalini what would you say is your how would you under uh, explain or what is your understanding of the aura so the aura as i my earliest memory of recording like an aura in my mind mm-hmm. is having someone walk into the room in this case it was um my dad and an uncle and you know certain family members that would like walk into a room and you would everybody would just (gasps) light up you know and you know i grew up in brazil so people light up when people walk in the room anyway everyone gets really loud family oriented a lot of energy but there were certain people that i started to notice as a young child that when they walked in the room it was just a really a big presence. So my definition of an aura is the electromagnetic field or the energy around you that is powered from within you. So um, your aura changes based on the way you feel about yourself, the way you think, the way your habits are, uh, from what you eat to how you move and um, all of that, what your attitude is. And yeah, that's... uh, that's my definition of it. Nice. That's um, 
when how old were you when you moved from brazil to the states i was 10. did you find because we have this in common then that we moved a pretty young to the states um when you came over here did you feel like your understanding of energy helped you um before you could actually understand the language or did you already speak english i didn't speak english and um i was very tuned in to energy um you know as in brazil it's um energy is something that's that's used um even the language is used uh pretty freely and as like a day-to-day um kind of thing and in the culture in the music in the uh dialogue and especially in rio there's just a lot of um uh a lot of chi people have a lot of chi people have a lot of energy there so it's something that was palpable to me and when i moved to the states um it was definitely something i noticed wow the people here are different it's cold you know we moved to uh northern virginia in in the winter time so it was like oh (laughs) it was exciting but it was definitely a very different vibe for sure it's almost super similar we moved to ohio oh (laughs) yeah like wild it's like from puerto rico to ohio from brazil to virginia wow like big change polarity (laughs) definitely polarity yeah wow so i know it's been a it's been a it's been a minute since we've had our aura photo and our aura session and we did a couple of images for you right where we um so we were able to calculate a little bit so we were able to see some shifts in you what was your experience from what you remember getting your aura photo done at Camp Grace? And um, I remember the, the actual experience of getting it done was, well, very, yeah. um, it was just very enlightening because it's something, you know, how can, I just think it's fascinating because you're taking something that you feel and something that is a feeling, a, a, an energy, a, uh, a feeling and, uh, and something that's emanating from you and you're putting uh, an image to it. So for me, I'm super visual. So for me, it was like, I was giddy to get it done. And then the first time I remember very distinctively, it was at the end of a day. And I remember that I was, it was a super like busy camp grace, you know, the the, normal, (laughs) yeah, the normal, um, a lot of work and all of that. But I remember there was a few things that I had to do, like uh, present something or something like that. And I felt super depleted. There's a lot going on, right? So I had to be super in integrity with myself and and just say no. Um, And like, I'm not doing this right now. And it was the right decision for me. And, you know, as women, we have a tendency to should a lot (laughs) we're shoulding all the time you know i should do this i should do that and then there's a lot of thinking outside of ourselves and so it was a very empowering experience to say this is what i need right now i'm not doing this it doesn't work for me at the in the moment so i'm moving on to um to doing this <laughs> or a photo or a photo um, that I scheduled and whatever it is, you know, the, the situation was, I just remember being like feeling 
like I might have pissed some people off or like disappointed some people, but I feel good about my decision because it's in integrity with what I'm feeling, right? So then I went to take the photo and it was like uh, super gold, like very, um, uh, you know, all very yellow and with little variants. I don't remember quite what that, what that means. Yeah. I think it means like teachers so or you can tell me but yeah but I just remember going in and feeling very like you know um feeling really good about what uh deciding something that was so aligned with what I was feeling which is is difficult you know and for me it's been difficult in my life to always to to stand up for myself or to say no, I'm not doing this. I'm, I'm one of those people that I try to do all the things. Yeah. And in my uh, getting into my wiser years, I am um, learning that, you know, you have to contain yourself. You have to contain your energy. You have to contain your time and be a, a guardian of that. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I just pulled up. We took three of three. you. I don't have the timestamp, so I can't verify exactly like when each one was taken. But the first one, like you said, uh, is is like pretty much gold. And yeah. then the second one we took was, I think maybe later in later in the day because I can tell because you're wearing the same head wrap. <laughs> yeah, it was it was like, the same day. So it was like the same try before the the session and then after the session. After the session, and so then you brought in more greens. So the gold energy yeah, is the final one. And the final one where you have you definitely this was after That's you thought, the sauna. sauna. Yeah. yeah, this was when you led the sauna, yeah. and I think Aaron was singing. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I remember that because Aaron's voice and you're leading. Uh, but yeah, so it was, so then you go from, you went basically from very gold all the way to, you have, you started to like gradually introduce more green. So gold is like your magnetism and your, um, your, um, it's your talent and your, it's like when you're showing that you have high achievement in you and you also like, it's highly magnetic. It's the golden aura. It's kind of like what you work for in Kundalini almost. <laughs> yeah. So you have that and then you gradually start to bring in this green energy, which is the open heart. It's your unconditional love and that's self-love and self-care. And it starts coming in through your feminine side. And then after you led the sadhana, your, your, um, your self-love, self-care comes into your masculine side, which is what you were bringing, like what you're bringing to the table. You still have some gold energy around you. And then you have on your feminine side, you have the turquoise energy, which is the teacher, speaker, healer energy, which is what you're stepping into, right. which is like super on brand. Yeah, Absolutely. It's pretty amazing. I mean, it just blows my mind. And it's, it's people, people often wonder how, how often they change and it just, it, there's no time. Time isn't a time is just a construct. It's the energy that you're putting That's into right. your, your aura. Yeah. What, what are you doing to make it change or to not make it change? Or not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cause that's also, uh, that's also your prerogative as a human being. So yeah. how has your kundalini practice deepened your relationship with your aura over the years? I mean, it's, it's everything, right? Um, the reason why I started practicing, you know, a lot of people think um, maybe I just started practicing uh, when I became a mom because I have the Meditation for Mamas Instagram. But I've been practicing kundalini since I was 19 years old. 
so that's 20 plus years of consistent. Um, I'm probably the most consistent I've ever been through in the last four years. Um, but it's, it's shaped not only my aura, but it's shaped my entire, obviously my entire life. Because as we know, uh, when you uplift and shift your aura and plant some, you know, the way that I look at it, I just got a vision of like a, a field, you know, and your aura is like, uh, doing kundalini is like priming the field, you know, making sure that everything is really, the soil is really good and it's moist and it's like primed for, um, for planting, but then you have to plant a seed. You have to, and that's, that's the goal. That's the thing that you, that you're working towards. And those are the actions that you're taking towards those goals. So, you know, it's kind of a marriage of, of all of it. And Kundalini is the tool that I have found and I've looked a lot of different places. Um, but it is the one tool that has been consistent with my intuitive, um, vision for my life. And I can honestly say everything that I'm currently living in this moment is because of my practice and because of the uh, paying attention to my aura. Um, do you feel like you, like, for example, when you, before meeting your, your husband and when you mid, came into different chapters in your life, do you feel like you are making conscious um, shifts in your practice or with your aura to invite these things 100%. So when I was in, I did uh, teacher training back in uh, 2005 in Virginia with a teacher named uh, Darshan Carr. And so after my, uh, the level one teacher training, you know, you do a lot of, uh, a lot of <laughs> yoga meditation and priming the aura and all of these things and I was also in a time in my life where I was realizing that my my thoughts and my dreams and my um, my goals were not you know they were not coming to me uh, in vain you know it was like uh, these are things that are coming to you because they're possible to achieve and and um, so that was kind of a, a, a practice that I had to, uh, that I learned going through the teacher training was to match my aura and my energy to what I had been envisioning for my life. And therefore working together with those two ingredients, I was able to quickly boom, 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 get to the places that I, that I wanted to get. For example, Right. Yeah. Um, when I was in teacher trainer, I, teacher training, it was like LA, move to LA, move to LA. Like I just kept having these thoughts. And at the time, my brother lived here. Um, he had moved here not too long before. So, and in, in the moment I had, I was like, move to LA. What? Like, what, how am I going to do that? Like, I don't have money to move, you know, like what's going on, you know? So within, um, less than a year, I was on a plane with my cat <laughs> It sold all my belongings and came here and again, and just utilized kind of like the, what I had learned from that experience to leverage the rest of it, to keep leveraging yeah. the growth. And, and I keep 
using utilizing that same um, those same pra practices and 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 tools, which is consistent practice and but always having the seed, you know, planting the seed, setting up an action plan and making it and allowing it to to take place. Yeah, that's awesome. And then not to overuse the word manifest, but you did um, bring these things that you were that were thought forms that were ideas into reality through action. Uh, through aligned action because you are able to be tuned into yourself. And so once you're, and at first it was just Isabel and, and Kitty, but like then it became Isabel and then you're like, you're now husband and then the kids. So how do you maintain your identity as Isabel within these relationships? But not just as a wife, a mother, and like even, uh, even with families uh, work close, close dynamics. Yeah. That's a really good question because I think, you know, especially in motherhood, even if you are kind of losing your identity, you don't really realize it when it's happening, you know, because you're so in the thing and you're trying, you know, you're doing your best. And again, it's another up leveling. And like we, uh, like we know, you know, when you wish for something and you have that as a life goal and then the thing happens, you have to stretch yourself to then be able to um, sustain it, enjoy it, um, and keep it, keep it up, you know? Because um, it's like when, when things happen, it's like, mo <laughs> like that song, Mo Money, More Problems, you know? It's, it really, it does happen like that because it's, you know, the more you get, the more you get it, on all levels. So, um, so how do I maintain my identity? Through my practice. I mean, that is simple. Through my practice is when I can listen, um, really listen to what's coming to me and really listen to what's uh, within me. And then always planting the seed and what actions am I gonna take from this, you know? So if I get, um, uh, let's say, you know, like in the beginning when the kids were really little or when my son was a baby, um, when you're in it, you're in it and it's hard. You're deconstructing so much. Um, and um, even just to say, hey, I need a break or I'm, I need to sleep, you know, or I need rest. All of yeah. those things can become really difficult um, to even realize that you're feeling and much less speak up about it. So um, with my practice, even at that time uh, when my practice was shorter, cause you know, you're waking up in the middle of the night and all kinds of thing. You're having your own, um, uh, mom, mama sadhana. Um, you know, even then my practice kept me tuned into what it, what, what it is that I needed and how to ask for it or how to make it happen. Can you explain what sadhana is for people that don't know what sadhana is? Yeah, sadhana is uh, just a daily spiritual practice. And in the Kundalini tradition, it is done um, two and a half hours before the sunrise. So 4 a.m. is the, the sadhana time. Um, and a lot of yogis waking up real early. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, but it's daily spiritual practice, you know. And 
um, it's varied through my, through my time, whether I got up at at 4am or not, but there is definitely an energetic shift when you do that. When you do it at that time versus when you do it at any other time. Yeah. They could also do it in the, at two and a half hours before the sun, uh, goes down. Interesting. So in the, in the afternoon. So you can do it early in the morning or later in the day. It's four, you know, (laughs) I actually recently watched his (laughs) Yogi Bhajan video. Um, that was like sadhana starts at, you know, 4am. I wish it started at nine or 10 or 11 or 12, but it's four. Four. Yeah. It's it's because um what is is it sixteen times so, or something? What is the he says something about it being like more potent because of that time. It uh, is it is more potent. I don't I don't remember how much more um the the exact that up, but yeah. yeah. But it it just is more. If you try it, you know, I, I just ran a uh, 40 day uh, sadhana at five o'clock um, on my on my Instagram yeah. part, which is part of my daily sadhana. And um, you know, when you're getting up at three thirty, four o'clock in the morning and making that time for yourself, there's just nothing like it. The energy is different, and you it Absolutely. carries you through the day. Absolutely, you, know, you just have more. It's just you're more contained. You're more content. You're more. You just more you. So, so while we're on the topic of your practice and your social media, you, we do a really good job. I, you inspire me whenever, when you post your, your time-lapse videos of your practice. Cause I'm like, Oh man, she's doing it. And the kids are running around and like, it's like real, it's really, what I really love about it is that it's real life. Like there's no excuse for you not to just like lay your mat down and sure. And like, sure. The kids might or the kids, or in my case, the dog, might have a problem with it initially, but if you just power through, eventually they get used to it. (laughs) And then life just continues to happen around you while you take that time for yourself. And I think that's really important. But what do you recommend for someone who's just starting or wants to create a practice? I think the, um, the the thing that has helped me the most is to keep it simple so you're able to maintain consistency. So the simplicity of it let's say like when I started, um, to, to do, to record my practices, um, I was home. We had just moved to a new house and I was home with my kids. Um, I took everyone, uh, my son wasn't in school yet, but my daughter was in school. I took her out and they were with me for six months at home. Um, which initially was like, Ooh, (laughs) (laughs) that's a lot. Um, it's a lot. And I don't have, you know, I'm a stay at home mom. I don't have uh, care. Um, so it was, but I took it on as a spiritual practice and I took it on and I said, you know, what would make me, what would make it even more awesome if I did a daily practice with them around. So, um, I, uh, I think the first time I started recording myself, I tasked myself to do uh, Rama TV um, and Guru Jagat's classes for every day uh, for 40 days. And I did it at the same time. It wasn't four in the morning because I wanted to do it around them on purpose. And I wanted to have the, the Rama TV on. I would set something up for them to do. Um, and then I would go in um, to my time. And... 
Um, so if somebody is wanting to create a, a practice, I would just say, set up your container, set up your, um, your home and your space um, in a way that every day you can come to the same spot in the same way and do your practice. Um, and keep it simple. You know, I, I hear these people show like, I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm doing the, you know, it's like a three hour sadhana. And hmm. I don't know about you, but a three hour sadhana for me would take my energy. It would zap it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, I have, I have like a sadhana, like time frames. Like I, I have a max for sure. Yeah. And I just think you have to find what works for you. You know, um, my clients, I recommend that, you know, if somebody's never done a practice before, like I'm starting with my, my daughter is starting to get interested in her, in doing her a practice uh, on her own. She's like, I want to do it by myself. <laughs> you know, so um, I'm oh like, great, hey, awesome. But you know, for her, she's six and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm showing her, she said, will you show me some stuff and then I can just do it. And you know, so I'm showing her a few things and she knows by watching me, but I know that for her attention span and for her personality, anything more than five minutes would be like, forget it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So five minutes is the, the, probably the minimum where I would start someone. And if I have a client that has never done it before, that's usually where we start is five minutes. Cause people can hang with five minutes, you know? Um, but then it's like, okay, once the, the habit is established, I really like to empower my clients to go. Yeah. Let's, let's add on. Uh, yeah. Once you're used to actually taking yeah, that even time. The, the, the time issue and the time block is really just a, a resistance in the mind. Once you, once you get started and it flows and it feels good to that person, then, you know, but the thing is to keep it simple. So what's your favorite go-to um, quick move or um, trick that brings you like, even when you're like, let's say you're out in the world, you're not home on your mat or you're home around yourself, you're out in the world and you're like, oh, I'm frazzled. What's your favorite like little trick or move to bring you back to like, okay, we're, we're back to center. Hands down. Uh, Satali Pranayam, which is a breath that you do through the tongue. So you mm -hmm. stick the tongue out like a taco tongue, mm -hmm. which is genetic. So some people can't do it. So you just take out the tongue. Sorry, if you can't do it. You, just, you breathe in through that straw like space and really, really slowly, very, very deeply. And then exhale through the nose. And if for some reason I don't want to attract attention because I have my taco tongue out. Because you're being weird with your tongue out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then I'll just, you know, just inhale very deeply through a pursed lips. So oh. you just inhale through pursed lips and then you exhale through the nose. And I think, you know, that's a prescription that I have been using for many years for when I feel um, frazzled, like, um, 
you know, that feeling of like, uh, stress, uh, overwhelm or anger, frustration, which is really helpful for parents because that happens often. Um, <laughs> cause it's all, you know, it's a little kids are a lot, you know? Um, so that's, that's the one go-to if I'm feeling like I need to pick me up, if I'm feeling like tired or kind of low energy or I'm near my cycle or something like that, then I'll do, um, uh, ego eradicator, which is, you know, you pull your, your arms up to 60 degrees with your thumbs facing each other and your fingers down and in, and then you do breath of fire. Yeah. And or breath, simply breath of fire. Yeah. For those that don't know, breath of fire is it's equal, um, it's equal, it's breaths, deep breaths in and out, uh, with equal force, right? Um, the equal breath. Yeah. It's a equal, it's a rhythmic breath and it's an equal breath on the inhale and exhale. So as much as you inhale, you exhale for the same amount. Yeah. And it can, you know, I do it kind of fast cause I've been doing it for a while, but you can take it a little bit slower. That's how you know. I, I didn't even know there was an option to do it slower. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, That's not, you know, every, every, I've been in so many yoga classes where the style of the teacher, you know, changes. Like some people do breath fire, like. That would like, make me pass out. Super fast, <laughs> you know. But you have to, like once you, it does make you pass out if you're, if you're breathing from the upper chest. But if you're really allowing the air to go all the way down into the belly and then up, it's a really energizing breath and it heats you up. And it raises, literally like raises your energy. And watching, like, it helps if you, I know it helps me breathe down there if I just even put my hand on my belly button. Yeah. As at least bringing the attention to yeah. it. Yeah, and then just, you know, conscious breathing too. Just like closing your, uh, my eyes and going to, you know, the space in between my eyebrows and just kind of setting that intention, you know, doing the victory practice is when you mentally, um, when you mentally chant victory and you imagine, you know, a thousand angels behind you having your back, you know, those, those are the moments, um, you know, when you're feeling just down or you're feeling hopeless or you're feeling like you're comparing, you know, all the on Instagram is so much better than me. I can never do that, you know, like, or whatever it is, you know, all oh, the things yeah. that, that are like topical of this time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So what would you say is your mission with Meditation for Mamas? So Meditation for Mamas um, got started as I taught in the back of my, of my house in Culver City uh, when I wanted to bring a community of conscious mamas and teach them the tools of Kundalini Yoga. And um, and from there, you know, I kind of started putting some things online, some inspiration, some things that were coming to me, and it's ever evolving. So I still um, have gatherings and teach workshops. Um, and I also have been doing some empowerment readings, that's what I call them, um, 
some empowerment readings, which is just like a, a coaching session, which is an intuitive coaching as well. I just bring a lot of different modalities and I work with clients on their sadhana practice and setting up a sadhana practice, a daily practice. Um, and so that's a coaching aspect. And then I will be launching my website, hopefully in the spring, um, and having some content on there to share with parents, but anyone who is nurturing anything, basically. And, and is busy. I feel like that's one of the best that's one of the takeaways for someone who is not a mom, like for it's not a mom that I can still really, really appreciate from what the work that you put out into the world is you make it accessible, you make it, um, you make it reachable with, with multiple hands in the thing, because although I'm not nurturing a human, I'm nurturing a business and I'm nurturing myself and I'm nurturing a dog and a family, you know, we all have the things that we're take that, that are growing. That's right in our and, lives. So you know, and there's we are all nurturers, you know, and um something that's really important for me as I've been working with with mamas and and parents in general is that I want to start in my story, you know, I I decided to uh become a mother later a little later in my life and uh, I met my husband a little later. The whole thing was very conscious and well thought out but there was a time in my life where i didn't know that i wanted to be a mother um i always felt you know that i was a, a healer and a nurturer and someone who liked to help people but it wasn't always very clear to me that i wanted to have you know human children um so it's very important to me that these practices do help um you know, nurturers of humans, but also um, it's important to me to bring these teachings for anyone who's nurturing anything, who's growing anything, who's nurturing themselves, who's healing themselves, who's nurturing a business, who's birthing a business, all of these things with the umbrella uh, of creation, right? Because that that's my journey. You know, I, I was birthing ideas and my own reality before I ever became pregnant with children. And it was a very similar process for all of that, you know? And mm -hmm. I also think there's a lot of um, people having, thinking that they want to have children when all they really want is to nurture something and to nurture and to create something. So, um, yeah, I have, I have some more, um, some more to say about that, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I actually have a workshop that I shared with, uh, the Aquarian Women's Leadership Society, which is, uh, Guru Jagat's, um, leadership women's group. And I created a workshop called, um, The Mother Power, and it's exactly, um, on topic with, you know, bringing this, I, the metaphor of birth and mothering, um, or, you know, uh, prenatal, uh, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, the whole thing, um, as a metaphor for creating anything in your life. So that will 
be my next online um, workshop that I'll have available by spring. So I'm yes, excited I'm excited for that. Yeah. Um, so that's that feels really amazing. Thank you so much for sharing with me and with everybody that listens. Um, where can everybody find you? Um, everyone can find me uh, on Instagram at Meditation for Mamas, M A M A S. Um, and soon I will have my website up and it'll be a link in the bio in my Instagram. But right now, yeah, right now I am sharing on there. I will have a 40 day challenge coming up a little later this year. Another one, the first one went really well. And everyone who participated was just like, whoa, just had so many awesome results. 40 days. It's, it's amazing. It, 40 days can do so much for you. And I feel like committing to anything for 40 days is quite a task, but like, especially when you do it with a group, it's really, really powerful because for me, I don't know about you, but yeah. like for me, I let, I like the accountability of a group because if it's just me, I can, I, I give myself a little bit of a pass when I'm like, <laughs> I'm just like, you know, I want like five more minutes today. <laughs> and like, I want just like, I just want to like, whatever the thing is. But when I'm in a group, um, and I have the accountability of, oh, I have to show up for this because they're, they're all showing up and they're going to look at me. Nah, not today that kicks in and then you, and then you change. Yeah. And you know, what's really cool that I found through just doing this online. Cause I wasn't sure how it was going to be, you know, when you're doing it in person, you know, people are showing up or they're not, you know, and, and it was online. I felt like it was people even, they took the, their energetic presence even more seriously because they're, you know, because they were online, you know? So they were like, wow, she's really like expecting me, you know, to like, to show up every day. So whenever I would see like somebody's handle, I'd be like, yeah, you know, and you know, harnessing any group energy at this time is really, really important. And, you know, even if you're coming together as a community to, to talk or to, you know, um, do any kind of conscious practice I think is really important and something everyone um, is needing. And I, I like the 40 days, even though it's, it's a lot of hard work, you know, and a lot of um, uh, space holding for a long amount of time, but the payoff is so fantastic. You know, yeah. um, I had like three people on there that were like, this is the longest I've ever kept up with a practice ever in my life. And it like changed the whole shebang you know as you know it, it changes your whole life you know it it changes your life in such measure it's in measurable and immeasurable ways because people will come up to you and they don't know it's your aura but they don't they don't know consciously what's different about you but they'll be like They'll just look at you and be like, you just feel different. Like people will just start to engage with you in a different way. And it's, it's the aura, which is, which has changed with that practice. It is. Yeah. Your ability to, to, um, see more clearly your ability to hold more prosperity mm -hmm. and therefore, you know, match what your, what your 
feeling to what you're envisioning and then have the experience of that thing. I really don't like to use the word manifest because <laughs> it sounds very much like, um, I don't know, very uh, like magical thinking a little bit. Like It oh, sounds a little like a wish. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, when it's really um, a, like practical science you know what i mean like it's it's scientific all this stuff is um is measurable as you're doing you know you're 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 taking somebody's electromagnetic field and you're putting a a, a visual to it and you're measuring it in certain ways you know and i think that's so cool well thank you so much thank you for joining us today and we will for having me, Lysandra. You're amazing and you're doing such an awesome job with this podcast. I know it's lighting up everyone's life. Yeah. Thank you. And there you have it. Thank you so much for listening. Isn't she just she's just a delight. (laughs) So thanks so much. And we were talking about sadhana, the daily practice. And we did, we had a little unanswered question about why it starts at 4am. Well, we, she knew, but this is the definition of why it's at 4am. Here we go. Because the two and a half hours before sunrise is the most potent time to connect to the higher realms. Known as the Emrit Vela, or the period where the veil is the thinnest to the divine, this time is precious. The sun is at 60 degree angle to earth, so you are picking up the solar wave at its rising. Anything you do during those two and a half hours is 40 times more powerful. Yo, 40 times more powerful. It's almost worth setting that alarm for 3.55 or 4 o'clock in the morning. So, and I'm going to just keep reading with some of the things that Yogi Bhajan has said. Because if you're a beginner and you can only spare an hour for sadhana, Yogi Bhajan specifically says that you always do some sadhana no matter how short. Because every effort of the individual mind to meet the universal self is reciprocated a thousandfold. So I've heard from teachers before that even if you set your alarm and you just say satnam at 4 o'clock, that, that's something. <laughs> And I just want to leave you with one more little nugget about sadhana. According to Yogi Bhajan, the greatest reward of doing sadhana is that the person becomes incapable of being defeated. Sadhana is a self-victory, and it is a victory over time and space. Getting up is a victory over time, and doing it is a victory over space. That is what sadhana is. Yes. So if that doesn't inspire you to try to get a morning practice at 4 a.m., I don't know what will. (laughs) Thanks again for listening. We have all of the Kriyas and everything that Isabel referred to on the show notes. So pop over there if you want to find out more information. Once again, thanks so much for listening. You're the best and we'll see you next time.